This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Every day on The Big Show. What? Gordon and what? Jake want to keep you up to date on all the action, all the newsmakers, and all the big opinions on the Zone Sports Network. This is What's Going On on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Oh, what's going on? Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Checking in with DJ and PK, as well as uh, Hans and uh, Scotty. Uh, both uh, listen to both those shows today. Both uh, always good. Those guys are always good. But this is, a, you know, this is a fun time in the world of sports radio right now, Gordon, uh, here in uh, Salt Lake. Of course, a, a Super Bowl to talk about and the Jazz playing as well as they are. Uh, you know, it's we've had more difficult days lately of sports radio, let me put it that way. Yes, I would agree with that, like, 100%. Like the whole month of July 2020. <laughs> Maybe yeah. throw June in there, too. <laughs> yes, I think you could. <laughs> All right, well, let's uh, let's get to some of this. Let's start with DJ and PK. They have Steve Cleveland on every Monday. Uh, Coach is always very, very good. And uh, he talked about the blueprint for modern basketball. Time to welcome in Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. How much do you think we've discovered a little bit of a blueprint going forward, maybe even down to the colleges, surround a great defensive player? Now, it's hard to get that great defensive player the caliber of Gobert. I understand that. But maybe go with the philosophy of defense at the rim and then sort of build out from there and make sure that virtually at all times you've got four three-point shooters out on the floor and maybe you lack a little bit of tremendous high-level elite athleticism, but you've got highly skilled guys who can dribble, pass, and shoot combined with that defensive anchor in the middle. I really like that thought. And I think that the when I talk about um, teams that their culture or the maturity of a team it's, it's when they they understand what a good shot is and what a good shot isn't you know and, and certainly with the shot clock that's going very quickly um, I, I think that the one offensive piece that I noticed is that this is a team that it, it's, it's and one and another you know I mean it, it, they're going to make the extra pass because they have confidence in each other and that instills confidence in your teammates when you are on a team uh, a veteran team that understands this game and you can make that extra pass and make one more and trust that the guy and the expectation is, hey, man, you shoot it. And there isn't anything like, you know, Donovan Mitchell's a guy that takes all the big shots. Well, that may happen just kind of organically through the course of a game, but at the end of the day, I don't think that's the mindset of this team. They all believe that they can. And and, and your your comments on, you know, four, four out, shooting the three, uh, running back cutting action, running Princeton stuff. You know, it's, it's incredible how people pick up in this league. It's kind of a copycat league to certain degrees. I mean, there's only so many things you can do, but spreading the floor, and, and there isn't a team out there that isn't running some Princeton principles with 
back cuts and uh, curl cuts over the top and back to the ball and things that uh, that were made famous uh, at Kingston in the Ivy League. If those concepts have become part of the four out, where you spread the floor, you get backdoor cuts, you get layups, you get threes, it's hard to guard. And, and when you have, and, and so the post guy isn't that important in that sense. I mean, he can, he can and for, for Gobert, I mean, he can set ball screens, uh, he can dive, he can have ball screens, he can have uh, back screens for him, dive into the basket. But spreading that floor, opening that floor allows extra cuts, <clears throat> better spacing, and uh, taking advantage of, of, of a team that can really shoot the three. You start playing like that. And I'll tell you what, it, it's hard to – when you get down to a team like that, 8, 10, 12 points, it's really hard to come back because they, to just get – if you have to go, really go out and stretch your defense to 27, 28 feet, well, they already have a system in place. That's exactly how they want you to play them. So now all of a sudden you dribble at a guy, boom, go to catch, back door, the floor is wide open. And, you know, obviously the help rules and – in the, in the NBA are different than they are in college. And so, you know, you have to be something, you have to be within five or six feet of your man. The floor just opens up when you have four perimeter players and you run good stuff. You know, I, I watch some ugly basketball in the NBA at times where the ball's in one guy's hand and, and everybody stands, they don't move, <laughs> and then they just penetrate. Okay. We, we've all seen that. Yeah. It's like, did you, did you have practice this week? <laughs> I mean, tell me you got somebody that's working with you on offensive principles. But you, that's – I mean, we see teams do this, and to a degree it works, but at the end of the day, typically those aren't teams winning championships. That was former Cougar coach Steve Cleveland jumps on with DJ and PK every single Monday morning. What did you think about uh, Steve's thoughts on, on how the Jazz are run in modern basketball? Yeah, I you know, as usual, Steve is – pretty bright guy who knows his basketball and i i pretty much agreed with what he said you yeah i i you know me well i don't like the the james harden style basketball i'd rather watch right. uh you know motion and the ball move and and more guys get involved i think it's a more fun brand of basketball to watch but there's no doubt that the the isolation game is is crazy successful it has been for a long long time you know, one of the big things about LeBron is he's kind of broadened his horizon, but he was, you know, a primarily ISO basketball player the first time uh, he played in Cleveland. I mean, it just was kind of the way that things are done because it's <laughs> it's really easy to play basketball that way when you have LeBron James, right? I'm gonna send I'm gonna send LeBron out there and go, hey, LeBron, beat that guy, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> and they go, oh, I told him to do that. Um, so. You know, I get it why it's tempting to play that way, but I I appreciate this other way uh, and the way the Jazz try to play. But with that said, there are always going to be times during the game when you've just got to beat the guy in front of you. When it breaks down and it didn't work that time down the floor, you know, that's where that isolation ball is is certainly useful. Like when we talked about uh, different ways for the Jazz to win games at the start of the show. Uh, that that That's very true. That if you have Donovan Mitchell – uh, and he finds himself being covered by a big, well, I, I think it might be a good idea that that's an advantage to be taken advantage of. Yeah. And uh, it, it's kind of the reverse of that was yesterday. Did you see it? 
all those times that uh, Sabonis tried to go uh, one-on-one with Rudy down low. Yeah, it didn't work out real well for him. Yeah, every time he did that, it was advantage jazz. And that that's a good thing. So that's the flip side of it. But I, I look, I, I like the ball moving. I like team basketball. But I, I have no problem under certain circumstances for for a player who has an advantage to take advantage of that. And, and a great example is Jordan Clarkson. That guy, I mean, there are times when, when you know he's feeling it, and uh, it, and I think Quinn is over there going, take him, you know, just take him, go. And there's no one who espouses team basketball more than Quinn. Right, exactly. So it depends on the the roster certainly, and who you're playing against, and the matchups. And Rudy, um, yeah, as long as we're talking about Rudy, he was extra level against Indiana. You know, we called it an ugly game, and it certainly was, but it was kind of right up Rudy's alley. Uh, I know you mentioned the free throws, and that wasn't terrific. But other than that, he he was amazing. 16, 16, and 3? Yeah. I mean, that's that's a terrific game. And really, uh, that third quarter, um, when the Jazz kind of put a little distance between them and the Pacers, he was uh, he was awesome uh, defensively. So, And that that's, you know, Sabonis is a tough matchup. In a lot of similar ways as Nikola Jokic, not that Sabonis is, is quite that good, but, you know, does does some things differently and, and is a tough matchup for Rudy. So he he played great. Well, he's not a tough matchup for him when he goes inside and tries to beat him around the rim because uh, my money's on Rudy just about every time in that regard. Yeah, Sabonis and, and is he, nowhere near as physical as Jokic. You're right about that. Yeah, and he, he figured it. He, he stopped doing it. Yep. You know, another effect that Rudy has on the game overall. But I like the different aspects of what the Jazz are doing. I, not only is it interesting for us as we observe it and watch it and take note of it, it, it it's it's kind of new. There have been so many adjustments that Quinn has made this year with that team, and and, and I like it. I, it makes it more entertaining. It, it makes the Jazz more versatile. It uh, – Maybe the days of of the Houston Rockets in the postseason building a wall or trying to around Donovan Mitchell are, are over yeah. because now the Jazz have adjusted to all those things or things like that, that being one of them. And they seem to be – they've learned their lessons and they've built this team in a way that uh, that it is flexible and it can do different things. Remember when we used to say how the Jazz don't have any playmakers other than than uh, Donovan? Yeah, not the case anymore, certainly. No. Um, I want to get to, to Scotty and Hans. Uh, they had Frank Schwab on, who's really good um, NFL insider. Uh, he talked about uh, the, the success of the NFL season through this pandemic. Tell break it down. Frank Schwab, good friend of ours uh, from Yahoo Sports, joins us now. And Frank... Uh, take you back to uh, June or July. Were you ever concerned that we'd have an NFL season or be able to finish an NFL season? Oh, for sure. I mean, even during the season, there were yeah. times when you wondered, like, are we really going to get through this? Is there going to be some outbreak that leads to multiple games, you know, being being canceled? You know, I, look, it's easy to rip the NFL, and everybody does it. It's kind of – they're just the bully on the block, so it's it's fair. It's easy – whatever to criticize them but we do need to take a step back and say if we agree at all with the notion that playing football was okay through a pandemic and all that for them to get through all 269 games without one being canceled 
Yeah, there were some hiccups, no doubt. And there were some games, you know, I'm based here in Denver, so I remember yeah. the game where they had to play a practice squad receiver quarterback. So there were, uh, you know, <laughs> things like that. But for them to get to the finish line on time, it's remarkable. It really is. Like you got to give them credit. you got to tip your hat. And all the people who, you know, through various points in the offseason were saying, it was ridiculous to have a virtual draft. This is, the NFL can't let this happen. It's ridiculous. You're never going to get through the season. It, your your testing is never going to work. I, you know, if we're going to be fair, we got to kind of say, you know, the NFL did what it set out to do, and that's get through a season without any, you know, major stoppage. Look, I mean, you know, you guys are an NBA country. The NBA is dealing with some issues now. It's not in the bubble. Baseball, we saw their issues. College sports is is really been a mess for the NFL to get through this thing. It is an accomplishment. That was Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports on with with Hanson Scotty, and yeah, the NFL was pretty determined to to do it and uh, thought that they had the way to do it. And Gordon, they didn't lose a single game. And uh, got the Super Bowl in on time. It really is pretty remarkable, actually. Yeah, I agree with that. And uh, yeah, there were those moments, like like he was talking about, where they didn't have a position group ready to go, but uh, it, they found a way through that. And I think, on the whole, it was a success. I mean, how could you say otherwise? Very little issue in the playoffs, too. I mean, I I honestly can't think of it. Did they have an issue in the playoffs at all? I don't think they did. So I thought I thought some guys were out, but I I don't know. I could be wrong about that. So the NFL just, gets gets a Super Bowl in, and and by the way, I'm I'm still I have not seen the TV ratings for the Super Bowl quite yet. Uh, according to like Darren Ravel, this is the longest they've ever taken to release them. I wonder if that's a good news or bad news for yeah, the I'm NFL. Not, I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, I I enjoyed I I enjoyed much much of the season. I was scared to death half the time, though, uh, that uh, certain guys, uh, I was worried about the health of everybody involved. I mean, they just play the season straight through a pandemic, a worldwide, a global pandemic, which is to be taken seriously and did everything they could to make it as safe as possible, short of not playing at all. Yep. And, and they made it through. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the NFL season comes to a conclusion. My Buccaneers are champions once again. Oh, please. Now we're going to go through this. You Just because you picked them to win the Super Bowl uh, in the week before the game doesn't mean they're yours. I've been rooting for them for four hours, Gordon, and it, it feels, <laughs> yeah, it feels pretty like good. Kind of like your Nationals, right? feels pretty good to finally get over the hump. <laughs> just like you and your Nationals. <laughs> <laughs> when they win the title, woohoo! Look at my hat, and then uh, I haven't heard you. I haven't seen you wear that hat since. I've had. I have a much more uh, personal connection to the Nationals than I do the Buccaneers. Certainly, yeah. Uh, I make the jokes, but uh, you know, uh, one of us abandoned Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, and one of us didn't. So that's because I couldn't go against pick against my the favorite. Pick. I know. I no, know. I couldn't, you pick, couldn't... I couldn't pick against my pick from before the season started. You, because they were the favorites then, and then they were also the favorites no. going. And by Jake, the way, they're the favorites no, next they year, too. Win. It's because I thought they were going to win, and they and they, they came one game short. I, so Have you already I, I, written your column for next year, picking them to win? No. I, I don't know whether I'll pick them next year. We'll have to leave. Oh, soon. you're picking them. No way. Yeah, I, uh, way. No. Yeah. I'm glad you think that. Because you are. 
Why should I pick against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers? I don't know. You'll talk yourself <laughs> into the Chiefs somehow. I wonder why. You, you'll look if at if the... I'm going to go with the front runner, I should go with the Bucks, right? Except for no, they're not the 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 favorite. The odds on favorite, they're not. The Magic uh, Vegas well, Predicting Wizard has uh, has the Chiefs as the favorite for next year. Do they really? Uh huh. I'll have to consider that later. <laughs> You're like, darn it. Yep, I am picking the Chiefs again. <laughs> No, I don't. Not unless they get their offensive line fixed. All right, Mike is in studio with us once again from Any Hour Services. And uh, we're talking furnaces today. And uh, let's talk diagnosis for a second. How do you know when something's not, not quite going right? Well, I mean, besides the obvious, it's not working. Uh, I think a lot of <laughs> I think a lot of us wonder: Is it working as well as it could work? Right. Uh, you know, and so you you might have for whatever the reason, whether it like cuts in and out uh, and it doesn't heat the house the way it used to. If your furnace is older or it's been acting up, there is something called um, heat rise, and it's probably the most owner friendly. Uh, thing that you could do to try and do a test to see if it works. And as long as you have a digital thermometer and you can tell the difference between the supply side down at the furnace and the return side at the furnace, if you take the measurement between, like if you measure the temperature of the air going out to the house, like coming right off the heat exchanger and the air, the temperature of the air coming back from the house, if you subtract the difference there, that's called a heat rise. And if you look on the nameplate for your furnace, um, it actually tells you what it should be. So my particular furnace is supposed to be anywhere between 20 and 50 degrees and every furnace is a little bit different so refer to that nameplate to check that now uh you know i'm not um let's see here in in the know like you and gordo and i i've got to admit that that sounds uh, a tad bit complex uh and on the radio, it might come across that way. I, I tell you what, if, if it is something you're interested in in trying out, uh, we actually recorded a video showing you how. Like, I go down to my furnace. I show you how to identify which side is the supply and which is the return. And, again, as long as you have that digital thermometer, I show you where to find the nameplate. And I walk you through. It is it, it is easier if you're, like, seeing somebody do it yeah, uh, sure. and kind of, like, hold your hand through it. But, like, Gordon doesn't need that help. He probably checks the heat rise on his system every Every season. In, in fact, you're more of the the marketing guy here, but I just had a great idea. What are filming Gordon doing these things? <gasps> oh. Gordon? Gordon. Well, I mean, I'd be happy, but the problem is that, that I'm kind of overqualified. You know, I mean, most of our listeners don't have the mechanical background I do as far as, you know. You're, you're overqualified for a how-to video? <laughs> Those are the people you want to do the how-to video, Gordon. <laughs> So that's that was a great idea. Uh, if, see, if he uh, comes know, around, and uh, uh, I'm thinking, I'm, hey, I'm hey, on hey, a, hey, Mike, yes, what, sir. What, what's a wrench? <laughs> and now it's what's Mr. A wrench. Overqualified. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, let's talk about uh, these two dubs that you guys do. This is this is what manufacturers recommend. Uh, yeah, you know, in in the owner's manual, it says in addition to the maintenance that you perform, your system should be inspected regularly by a properly trained technician. And we all know the maintenance we should be doing as far as like the filters and things like that. Uh, but we actually have a 34 point 
furnace tune-up where it's based off of the manufacturer's recommended maintenance and inspection items. And, I mean, we go through that thing top to bottom and check all the vital components and make sure that it's running the way that it should be. And if it's not, we document everything we find, and we make sure to educate you on the condition of your system. Normally, we charge $99 to do that. It's well worth it at that. But tonight, Zone listeners aren't going to have to pay $99. They'll lock in a $70 savings if they call before 6 and mention the show. They'll only pay $29. And if you have a standard filter size, we're going to come in and we're going to replace it with a, with a standard one-inch filter for you. Sweet. Free filter, and you heard Mike with the savings. So here it is. Here's the number, actually, 801-443-7400. You're going to save 70 bucks on a 34-point furnace tune-up. That's a $99 value, only 29 bucks. But you got to call and get on the schedule before 6 tonight, 801-443-7400. And you heard Mike uh, mentioned, uh, or uh, uh, you mentioned the zone, and you're going to get the free furnace filter, 801-443-7400. That's any hour services. Thank you, Mike. You're welcome. More next, 97.5 and 1280. Utah's highest-rated, most-listened-to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show, presented by Big O' Tires. Stop by your locally-owned Big O' Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O' Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. You into poison at all, Gordon? <laughs> Not really. I mean, it's okay. That's a good, good song. for who it's for. You know, I've seen them in, in concert a bunch of times. They're, they're, Have you really? Oh, yeah, it's great. It's it's an excuse to, you know, get out your old ripped-up jeans and tie a bandana around your head and go rock out for a night. It's pretty awesome. You know, somebody uh, tweeted out a link to the Beatles' first concert in the U.S. of A. Uh, I guess they flew into New York and uh, then were on the Ed Sullivan Show, a, a show which I watched live at the time that it happened. I still remember where I was sitting, and uh, I remember that clear as day. And then they took a train down to Washington and uh, put on a show in Washington, D.C., and that was their first concert here in the U.S., and uh, I watched it. I watched the whole concert. It wasn't that long. I think it was less than an hour, but it was really, really good, and obviously a lot of girls in the, in the, in the audience were cheering and screaming and yelling and all that stuff, but I was sitting there watching, and I'm going, Man, I really miss concerts. Concerts are a lot of fun. And whether it's Poison or whoever it is, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, spends your beanie. It sure is fun going and enjoying that whole experience. And, boy, it's been a long time. How did, how did, we, how did you end up one-upping me to the Beatles? We were talking about Poison. How did that just happen? Well, you were talking about how you'd been to their concerts. I mentioned many I've times. I've gone to a concert once, and all of a sudden we're 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 talking about the Beatles. I wasn't one upping you. I was just saying how much I miss concerts because you brought it up with the Poison concerts. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, we know you. you, you the Beatles are the most overrated band in history. We know you follow that, Kenny. I know you're missing it. That's uh, that's not true. That was uh, my arm was twisted on that that drop. 
but anyway, uh, yeah, I have a great appreciation for fine musicians who uh, who put on good shows. How many states have you seen Kenny in now? Five, six? I've only seen, seen Kenny Chesney uh, twice, three, maybe three times. And uh, it was twice in one <laughs> week, one time. <laughs> well, yeah, but that wasn't my fault. Uh, Why would it be anybody's you know, fault? And, and you went really, to a concert. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it was because they were performing with Old Dominion, a, a band I really like. He was. You know. And I know Kenny is very popular, massive audiences all across the country, but I'm more an Old Dominion guy. You love Kenny. It's all right. Yeah, we I, don't mean, I, we don't I enjoyed it. It's, uh, we had a lot of fun. A lot of fun. See, I don't, I don't, you know, whoever you like, whoever you like, go, go see them and enjoy yourself, dance a little, you know, clap a little, you know, uh, scream a little, sing a little, whatever you want to do. I mean, when I went to see Garth Brooks over at the arena, I had, I had, I had never seen Garth before and I didn't, I knew one of his songs. I knew one song and everybody at the concert was singing every word of every song and I only knew one song, and I still had fun. You know, I mean, I, I felt I felt separated from the whole thing because all the music was new to me, but we had fun. Uh, Gordon, curious to uh, to hear if you agree with uh, with uh, Kevin Garnett. We just heard a clip in uh, what's going on uh, from Steve Cleveland talking about the modern game. And I'm curious. So this is this is kind of a long quote, so bear with me, or or feel free to hit the pause button uh, <laughs> if you need to. Uh, the game is at another level," said Kevin. "I want uh, I want you to get on the court, sprint corner to corner, stop on a dime, and shoot a three. I want you to do ten of those. Then I want you to focus on how tired you are because these players do that for 48 minutes. I don't think guys from 20 years ago could play in this game." 20 years ago, guys used their hands to control players. Now you can't use your hands. That makes defense damn near impossible. Can you imagine not hand-checking Michael Jordan? Nah. The fact uh, that you can't, uh, excuse me, the fact that you can't touch uh, players gives the offensive player so much flexibility. Defensive players have to take angles away and stuff like that. But if you have any creativity and ambition, you can be a great offensive player in this league. The fadeaways, one-leg runners, and one-leg balance shots, that's stuff that Dirk Nowitzki brought to our game. And now, when I watch the Joker play, it feels like he has taken that Dirkness and mixed it with his own talent. And Steph Curry revolutionized things with being able to shoot it from distance with such consistency. Clay Thompson, Damian Lillard, these guards changed the game. I don't know if even the guards from 20 or 30 years ago could play the uh in this time right here it's creative it's competitive it's saucy you'll get uh drop uh, you'll get dropped a bleep will cross you over and break your acl these days the game is in a great place unquote yeah i, I mean i agree with most of what he said there i don't necessarily i think that athletes of 20 30 years ago could have played this way had they been coached to play this way and had they been conditioned to play this way but that just wasn't the way basketball was. Well, it was. You know, you go back and check some of the scores of uh, those games from the 60s and the 70s. And, I mean, there were scores like 150 to 145. There so were. They were getting the, up. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, so they were getting up and down the floor 
at various times too. It's just that a lot of teams didn't play that way. Right. I think your your low skilled player would have less of a role today. I think that's kind of what Kevin is getting at. Like, and I'm I'm trying to think of the poster child for this. Maybe somebody like like Charles Oakley, who was a tough guy, defender, rebounder, who played extremely physical at all times. I don't know. You know, that guy has to shoot now. You know what I mean? Like, that guy has to have some other skill besides pushing somebody around and grabbing rebounds. Because they can't, you can't play defense the way that they play. Like, you're, you're what you pictured a four um, in 1988. I don't know how much that exists anymore. You Like, to Kevin Garnett's point, you have to be skilled. The, the way the Jazz are playing four out, Gordon, there's only room for one big. You know, if you want it, you have to be multidimensional for the most part, and you have to be highly skilled in the NBA these days. I, I agree with Kevin on that. So where would a guy like uh, Kevin McHale fit now? Extremely He'd be a center. Skilled. He'd be he, a center. He was a, he was a great uh, player in many ways. Uh, didn't really shoot a whole lot of shots from distance. And uh, I wouldn't really classify him as being nimble, but he was super effective scoring and, and doing some other things. Um, I don't think I, I don't think the chief would be playing for the Celtics team these days, or he'd be coming off the bench. I think McHale. Yeah, I think McHale would be your big. Hmm. I think yeah, Malone. Maybe. I think Malone would be your big. Well, Carmelone was the Jazz Center. I, I know that that uh, Mark Eaton did a lot of things, but he was their he was their offensive. Yeah, center. he was their big, and so I think the the that he would be a modern day big. Although I I certainly would not put it past Carl to develop a three point game if that was emphasized. I mean, he bumped out his range so much during his career. Um, you know, if he worked on it, I wouldn't bet against Carl learning how to shoot the long ball. So. Um, it's just I, I think there are some positions, some positions that were based on physicality that just aren't necessarily there anymore. Yeah, uh, I see what you're saying. And essentially what you're saying is that the play, you have to be more skilled to stay on the court yep. now yes. than back in the day. Back in the day, you could be a ruffian and uh, sort of find your place. It was, it was different in many ways. Whether it's easier now, I I don't know if that's the right way to say it. The game is just it's built differently now. I, offensively, with, offensively, it's easier. Yeah, I I, I don't uh, I don't have a problem with you uh, with, with anyone uh, differentiating eras, but uh, I have to appreciate what was done back back then and what is done today. This is why I don't like to hear old timers ripping the game today, and I don't like people of today ripping the game back in the day. It was just a different philosophy. It was a different way of playing, and the rules have changed. So uh, there you have it. I mean, that that's what I was thinking of when Joe Ingles – uh, blew past John Stockton's three-point shooting record for the Jazz. Yeah, it was a nice moment for Joe, but I think even Joe himself said, well, they didn't stress it back then. You know, you don't think that John Stockton could have made uh, a whole bunch of threes if that's the way he had, if that's the way he was coached to play. Right. Well, I think the point he makes about defense is really good. That's why I, I – second guess a little bit when I hear David uh, Locke, and I, I'm not trying to pick on Locke here, but he'll he'll make a statistical argument that James Harden is the best offensive player of all time. 
And it's like, okay, that may be true on paper for stats, but remember in the last dance where the, the Pistons were talking about their entire game plan against Michael Jordan? That was to any time he, he left the ground, uh, jumped, that they were going to put him on his backside? That they were just <laughs> yeah. going to hammer him all night long? I mean, can you imagine James Harden, who if you breathe on him, he acts like he, he get, you know, gets, <laughs> throws himself into the third row? Can you imagine that, how, how that would work against those kind of defenses? I mean, yeah, it, yeah. The, the rules are totally different. I, I think that people would adapt. And just like if, if, uh, if, the, if Jerry Sloan hadn't been a layup first coach, I think John Stockton could have scored a whole lot more than he did. And I don't think they were telling him not to shoot, but obviously, Jerry, what did he say about three-point shooting? He said, I don't mind guys taking them as long as they make them, but it certainly wasn't stressed the way it is in today's game. Far, far from it. Just the opposite. All right, we'll have uh, more coming up next. We'll get a market update from our boy Gordon. Joining us at the top of the 4 o'clock hour will be Chris Mannix. Gordon Chiesa, the coach at 5. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. It's time for a market update brought to you uh, by our friends at TryDayTrading.com. Gordon, how did the markets do today? Did pretty well, Jake. It was a good day on the, in the markets. And uh, didn't somebody once do a study on whether the NFC or the AFC team won the Super Bowl at the effect it had on the market? Uh, I don't know. Have they? I thought, I thought I read that once upon a time many, many years ago. But anyway, what, whatever. It seems like the markets agreed with Tom Brady and the Bucks because the Dow was up 237-plus points. The NASDAQ was up 131-plus. And S&P was up nearly 29 points. So good day on the market on the whole. All right, trydaytrading.com. Now anyone can be a day trader. Visit trydaytrading.com. Well, that's good news, Gordon. That's that's good news. I good got news. a question for you, Jake. All right. Why is Tesla uh, investing $1.5 billion in Bitcoin? Uh, I don't know. Cryptocurrency is a thing people are trying to make money on these days. <laughs> Why would Tesla be any different? I don't know. I don't know about enough about that particular endeavor, but anyway, I just noticed that 1.5 billion invested in Bitcoin, and I thought I read somewhere where Tesla was going to start accepting payment on their cars in Bitcoin. Would not surprise me. That seems like a Elon Musk thing to do. How much Bitcoin yeah. are you sitting on these days, Gordo? I don't know. Not, not, not to my knowledge. I don't know anything about Bitcoin. Tell me. In, uh, instruct me. Uh, educate me, Jake. I want to know about Bitcoin. Uh, you can Google it, Gordon, because I'm not going to make an <laughs> idiot out of myself by trying to explain <laughs> cryptocurrency okay. to you at the moment. I, I did find that one story entertaining where the guy 
was years ago paid in Bitcoin. I can't remember what he did, but he he said, yeah, pay me in a couple of Bitcoin or whatever. And mm. now it's just worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, but he can't remember his password. <laughs> and and if you if you get if, if you get your password wrong ten times, then the the Bitcoin just vanishes. I guess it just goes away. Oh, and nice. he la maybe there's an update to the story, but last I saw, he had tried eight times. <laughs> so was just deciding what he wanted to do. Uh, that's uh, difficult for him. Well, when he got paid, though, in the Bitcoin at the time, he had no kind of idea it would take off the way that it's taken off. I mean, it's it, you know, it got like what was the equivalent at the time, like a couple hundred bucks, and then it's just worth more now. Let me put it that way. So, Jake, speaking of business, uh, the business of the Super Bowl, the commercials, did you have a favorite? Oh, I don't know. I, mm, I didn't. I wasn't that uh, blown away by the commercials this year. I mean, there were there were some that I, I got a chuckle out of. I guess. Uh, I liked the uh, one of the ones I liked was the, was the uh, what's her name with uh, Blake Shelton oh, when she was sending the, the dating message. one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she, Gwen she was Stefani. For Gwen Stefani, yeah. And she and the message got garbled. And uh, that was that was pretty funny. I thought I enjoyed that one. Wow, uh, Scotty said by the way that uh, the Bitcoin thing—it's two hundred million bucks. That's incredible. So you have to that, that he stands to lose if he can't find his password. Yeah, two hundred million bucks. Oh my gosh. Uh, yep, yep. That would make a little bit of a difference in a person's life. There's a lot of pressure there. A lot of pressure <laughs> to come up with that password. And not come up and come up with the right one. What happens if he doesn't? Does it's, he really lose it, or is yeah, there some? Yeah, it's gone. Oh wow, that's a lot of pressure. That sure is. Good luck, man. How frustrating would that be? And Scotty adds, by the way, that uh, he was paid seven grand for the job, so he wow. got that seven grand in Bitcoin, and it's now two hundred million bucks. That is amazing. Amazing. Oh well. Well, I hope uh, for his sake that he can uh, jar his memory or something. If you were locked out of your email right now, could you remember the password to get back in? Uh, I think so. I'm not 100% sure. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm terrible with passwords. I mean, just, just dreadful. But I think I could get into my email if yeah. I got locked out today. I think I could. I couldn't. I couldn't with my twelve eighty because I don't know what the Never password is. Never logged in, not once. Yeah, but my other one. I think I, uh, the other couple. But uh, how I'm do you very, get away with that? Not being uh, having never logged into a company email. I mo I mooch off you guys. How does how does that how does how do you get the communication with the with the company? I I mooch off you guys. I ask Austin, hey, Austin, what's going on with the company? And then if there's something I need to know, he passes it along. Oftentimes, sometimes they'll send it to my other my other uh, email. You realize that there's nobody else in the entire company that could ever get away with that. What you talking about? <laughs> what do you mean, what am I talking about? You're the great Gordon Monson. It's all right. I get it. Been dealing with it for a long time. <laughs> 
You do help me out, Jake. I, I, I appreciate I, I, that. And it's it's fun. It's good. It's because we love you. Mike is uh, Mike is jumping on with us. Uh, you, you know we love Gordon, right, Mike? Absolutely. It's I I do. He's unique for Look, sure. Mike Mike knows we joke back and forth, but Mike is one of the absolute best at what he does, and I think our listeners know that, and that's why they respond. That's why when he comes on our show with us, the phones blow up over there, right? I mean. That's, I think that's so. Mike. Mike Mike does a great job with that. And I know we were joking earlier, but and this isn't I'm not backtracking, I'm back it up, be play the beeps. I'm not that's got nothing to do with it. I'm I'm just <laughs> stating facts here. You kinda insulted Mike in the two o'clock hour. And me, by the way. And like what the did same I, what sentence. did I say? What did I say again? Uh you said that I was insecure. <laughs> 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 because I because I don't like uh, and I, I didn't quite understand why why this made me insecure, uh, but you know I wasn't I wasn't offended, but uh, I was. Well, it, it was because you were jabbing at people, making them feel bad that you were somehow superior. Very to them. subtle, though. Very subtle. Yeah, but Not in, in some a... in some ways that can be even worse. Let's, well, yeah, let's that's not. Let, you were trying to dig yourself out of this hole. Let's oh, not go that's back right. What am I let's, doing? Let's, re, let, let's <laughs> refocus here. The hole you're no, trying to get out of. I, I was talking about in terms of of guys talking back and forth, smack talking. I you know. know. Sarcasm is a is a is. I've I've learned that when they wrote that book about like love languages, that they left out sarcasm because <laughs> around my house, I don't know. I I guarantee you, my 16 year old picked it up from my wife and I. But man. That's he how is, you communicate. He is quick. Okay, 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 Mike. Since you brought that up, I want to know Uh-oh. what your love language is. Uh, sarcasm. Sarcasm. That's what no, you just no, said. no. I mean, one of the ones that are legitimate. Oh, that's legitimate. Well, I have a conf- judge. I have a confession well, to make. It's I not. It's not, not in the, the book. book. Yeah. Oh, it. what are they? I, I, mean, I, whatever. I don't actually Wait, know what they are. You have read the book. Well, my wife read parts of it to me so that I could be educated. In, <laughs> Wait, like a, like a kindergartner? Like, kind like of, yeah. Sitting in, the, bedtime. in the chair? Gordon, I got something to, to read you. My wife, you know what uh, it was? Mike, we were driving in the car uh-huh. uh, on a long, long trip, and she said it was one of those deals where, hey, honey, listen to this. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's my wife reads those books, and so I remember she she like read the men are from Mars, women are from Venus, the love language. So she was on this journey of discovery, and it would always the conversations would be like, "Oh, that's why you're the way you are." <laughs> when she would be talking oh, to nice. me, like she was discovering that, like, "Oh, you're not the only person on Earth that's this way." I guess a lot of people are this way. So yeah. well, see, the, my problem with the love languages, Mike, is that uh, it says in there that there's only one primary love language for you, but I, I found myself mixed between a couple. So I, I you're, don't know. You, you do that. Jake, do you speak a lot of different love languages? About? Is that you're, you're like, uh, uh you're, you're well versed. I've been told I do. <laughs> well, let's, let's, uh, take it about face here from love speaking languages. Of, speak, and, and speaking, of, speaking of hot air, let's, let's speaking of heating things up, right? Let's talk about safety when it comes to your furnace, Mike. Okay. Well, uh, Hey Mike, yeah. heat's rising. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but let's be safe out there. Um, anyway, so when it comes to safety, uh, one of the reasons that it's a big concern with your furnace is if you think about, 
the way your furnace actually lights. Uh, if you go through the ignition sequence, the first thing that it has to do is the inducer motor comes on, and that creates a draft to exhaust all of the, uh, you know, the, the CO and things like that and the, the fumes from the gas burning. And then after that, the igniter comes on, the gas valve opens, and the flame sensor is there to detect and make sure that it actually kicked into flame. And then there's a high limit switch. I mean, long story short, there's a lot of safety switches in there to make sure that each thing happens in the order that it's supposed to in order for your furnace to operate safely because if it didn't do that there's so many things that could go wrong that'd be a huge liability on the furnace manufacturers well and and exactly and why it's important to, to uh you know get this tune-up that we're talking about every year absolutely i'd say the b the three biggest things we you know we just talked about safety but another one is uh you know if you know what you're looking for and what tests to perform uh, a lot of times your furnace will warn you uh before it actually goes out on you and then the other thing is it's the least least expensive way performing this annual maintenance is the least expensive way to extend the life of your furnace and get it to last as long as possible. And if you guys out there listening or anything like me, I mean, even though I work for a company that does this, I don't want to like replace my furnace, you know, anytime soon. And so the best way to do it is to make sure you're taking care of the one you got. All right. That's why today's deal is uh, coming in handy. For sure. Yeah. So if you have not uh, had your service, your furnace service this this winter yet, or if it's getting older and it's starting to act up, normally we charge ninety nine bucks to come out and go through your system top to bottom and perform all the manufacturer's recommended maintenance and inspection items. But tonight, Zone listeners are going to be able to lock in a seventy dollars savings and get it done for only twenty nine dollars, and that's a huge reason to call. But one thing on top of that, if you call and mention the show, uh, if you've got a standard size furnace, and the reason we call it standard, standard size furnace filter, a lot of people have this. Uh, when we come out there, the technicians carry those standard size furnace filters on their truck. They're going to go ahead and throw one of those in for you and replace your filter while they're out there. Sweet. Free filter on top of an already great deal. Save 70 bucks on a 34-point furnace tune-up. That's a $99 value, only 29 bucks. But you got to get on the books tonight. Uh, before 6 o'clock. So call right now, 801-443-7400. Mention you heard it on The Zone, and they'll throw in that extra filter. 801-443-7400, any hour services. Thanks, Mike. You're welcome. Chris Mannix is next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.